Welcome back to the Fear and Trembling Podcast. Hey, fellas. Hello. Good day. Hey. Good. I was going to say good morning, but good, day. good, good day. I like that. It's good morning now, but it might be afternoon when people are listening, so... Good day came out. Good day, yeah, brings me back to my you know brother good eye, good eye in, in Australia. Good eye. That's a great intro, bloke. <laughs> bloke. <laughs> so we certainly have the same group of characters right. around the table. <laughs> Past the Fosters here, we're, we're on an Australian jag. <laughs> well, I am uh, Aaron Vanderveen. I'm the campus pastor at Watershed here at Hardawike. Next to me is Bill Lidner. I'm the campus pastor in the Celebration community. I'm J.B. Wernland, campus pastor, Fusion. I'm Darwin Glassford, fresh off the Appalachian Trail and the executive pastor here at Hardaway Ministries. Mm. Yeah. Did you bring any... I, so I still can't smell from COVID. So I, I, did you bring any of the Appalachian Trail no, no, smell no, we with took you? Shower. We oh, took he's, showers. He's okay. had a shower. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> shower. We'll, we'll vouch for that. You should maybe, you should maybe take another one because I'm sitting next to you. I'm just, oh. That's just a joke. Boy. early morning <laughs> So we are at the end of season two. <laughs> Folks, maybe we won't have a season. Yeah, no. we, we, we I'm be, just trying to set up our book. You uh, know. Right, right, right. Oh, right. Yeah. oh give us something. Yeah. To forget. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm tracking. Um, yeah, but we are at the end of season two. Um, so again, just kind of being through this journey, being on this journey together uh, has has been a blast. And mm-hmm. uh, we're wrapping up this season with a book called Forgive by uh, Tim Keller. And Bill, you're going to kind of lead our conversation today. So I'm, I'm going to toss it to you. That sounds fine. Um, let me take just a moment. I hope so. Yeah, really. I, yeah, yeah. I even prepared for this. Took right. a shower and everything. Um, just some background on on Tim Keller. Many folks know him as the founding pastor of Redeeming, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, which he and his wife planted in 1989. He retired from there as pastor in 2017, so almost 30 years, and Interestingly, this made him a local church pastor at the very scene of 9-11. So he was connected to that very interesting perspective. Redeemer grew to be about 5,000 tenders in multiple locations. Plus, they helped plant over 100 other churches in the New York City area. Very fruitful ministry involved with real lives in real settings. And I'll just read a number of the book titles before we jump into this one. Each one kind of a real helpful in its field. The Meaning of Marriage that he and his wife Kathy wrote. A Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. A one that I'm working through with a group of men we're reading together, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. A great book for people who are wrestling with uh, what it means to be a Christian, reason for God, belief in an age of skepticism, and then walking with God through pain and suffering. So he brings this pastoral sensibility, a deep rootedness in the scripture, a solid reformed theological framework, and ability to engage even people who are outside the church. And he, in this book called Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I?, he really uh, helps us face one of the challenging uh, aspects as part of the good news, but also how do we live this out in life? And so I'm going to try and toss things off to my colleagues here. Uh, we've arranged some questions, uh, some directions will go, but let me start with this. What What's your favorite quote? I just met this morning with a group of men where we're working through a Tim Keller book, and I ask all the time, what did you underline? And that becomes kind of a chance for them to uh, connect to the text, but talk about what is happening in their lives. So, guys, what did you underline? What was a favorite quote here? Well, I, I know I underlined a lot. <laughs> yeah, and there's a that's lot true. of. Uh, um, but I, this kind of is related to the other thing we're going to address is our favorite chapter. But I just thought the introduction does a beautiful job um, laying out kind of the cultural landscape and how yeah. mm-hmm. how forgiveness. Uh, today has become kind of a problem, um, and and so I think the quote kind of sets that up right right in the introduction. Um, we we read this from Elizabeth Brunig. Am I saying that right? Uh, who says there's something unsustainable about an environment that demands constant atonement, but actively disdains the very idea of forgiveness. Uh, he continues to write and says she got some flack for that. 
Um, and then she she adds on and says, I see in American culture how offended people seem by the very idea of forgiveness itself. They seem to find it immoral, and I think that's very disturbing. And then you go to the next page. I'm giving you three <laughs> Dude, quotes. Dude, stop I, stealing I, my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, then the, but then he says, um, this person expressed concern that the culture's need to cancel even those who are willing to change would not serve to diminish bigotry. It might fuel it. Yeah. Did I take all your quotes, Aaron? Uh, you, you, like okay. my top three, <laughs> you, you just bag, bag, bag. Will right you forgive on. me? <laughs> I don't know. Or I'll yes. let you expand. That <laughs> no, no I, I'm, I just, yeah, that's. Wow. wow. Well, wasn't it interesting the way he connected cancel culture as we talk yeah. about it popularity, popularly? Uh, cancel culture becomes unforgiveness issues. Well, and, and I think I was taken by the. There's there's this desire, and it, we do see it around us, right? A desire sure. in people that to to want forgiveness, but that's what sin does in us, right? Is that which we know we want and we need? Somehow, sin goes. I'm gonna, and the devil does this, right? He works to keep us from the very thing we need. He, in essence, works to vilify the medicine. Right, yeah. Um, and, the medicine and and figure out a way so that we avoid it and run from it. And and if we don't have, um, uh, um, I'm gonna I'll, I'll I'll put I'll keep this to myself. Right. If 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 I don't have something helping me see it, I'm just gonna keep down the pathway. Um, there was a great in one of the chapters that grabbed me and and so i'll pick a different quote um and it the quote is actually just the title of the chap or the title of the section in that chapter and uh it, it is called the inadequacy of fig leaves <laughs> oh, so like picture. throughout throughout life he just talks about you know the the fact that even if we do begin to understand some of our 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 own need for forgiveness how we try to we cover it up with things that are just inadequate yeah. for us to actually experience it. So, JB, just I think in all, why, the reason why all those quotes grabbed me, oh, you know, yeah. of like, yeah, this thing that will bring us into freedom when we vilify it or when we put it off to the side, we don't recognize our need for it, and and then we we kind of make demands on others to to right the wrongs, even though we don't know what that would look like. I mean, I, I know I'm guilty of that. Of go, I, I very much am part of that. You need to earn that forgiveness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. if, if, if I've got a failing in myself, it's you need to earn it. You need to prove it. Even though I don't know what that looks like. If I'm honest, I set a standard that I don't even know exists, but it's my way of keeping unforgiveness in, in play. It's... Yeah. So, yeah. I, go ahead. Favorite quote of mine was page 137. It's right at the beginning of chapter 9, receiving forgiveness. And he builds to this, but, but here it is. You will never be able to fully forgive others for their sins against you unless you first experience God's forgiveness of your sins against him. Our guilt must be dealt with if we are to deal rightly with others' guilt. And he, he jumps in and yeah. talks about true guilt, false guilt. And a, another quote, piggyback here, uh, a few pages later, page 142, the distinction between true guilt and false guilt feelings is a crucial one to make. Why? Because time will not heal true guilt. Mm. That there is a, a, a true guilt that is a, a a problem, an issue, something needs to be dealt with. And again, separate the false guilt, but the true guilt needs more than just time. Yeah. And I can begin to extend that to others when I've experienced it for myself. But a lot to, to wade through to get to those uh, kind of moments. Um, other quotes that, that stood out or things you want to touch? Yeah, I, like um, from JB, I really enjoyed the, the introduction. I think he set the stage well. Um, and like Aaron was was saying earlier, um, forgiveness has get has become 
I think, subsumed within the kind of power narrative. So if I forgive, I'm giving up power and I don't want to forgive because if I forgive, then I lose lose control over that. You let people off the hook. Yeah, yeah, you let people off the hook, and and that's not the the intent at all. Um, so it seems to me that that people are are carrying a, a huge burden that they just can't carry that they're they're weighed down, and and when you get that way, you can't enter into conversation, you can't enter into debate about anything. It's either I'm right, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right, like right. that, and and you just end up nowhere. So there are a couple sure. quotes that that really jumped out at me. Um, Beyond the ones that that JB and um and Aaron mentioned, um, thank you for stealing quotes that I had marked. <laughs> but let me um let me um let me strike on one on page one hundred four. Um, he says it means that to be unforgiving reveals that you have failed to understand and accept God's unmerited grace yourself. And and one of the reasons um I like that is is I grew up in an area where spiritual growth was marked by the following characteristics. Did you have devotions? And um, devotions got more weight if they were in the morning than later in the afternoon. Uh, or yeah. evening. <laughs> that works um, great for morning people like me. Yeah, I had extra points. It does not work great for people like me. Um, <laughs> Preach you it. Also then, you also then, how many times did you attend church a month? How many Sundays? And how many other extracurricular activities did you involved in? And if you were involved, then you were really growing spiritually. Yeah. In the CRC, but, how many times did you attend church in a day? Okay, yeah, well, like two yeah, I was in CRC, so you know, I wasn't either. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so you know, our merit was youth group and youth for Christ. You know, you got yeah, a double you honor. Go. You know, and if you're really brave, you went to Young Life as well. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the funny thing about it is, is that when we look at what he's getting at here, I think in in other places is that spiritual growth shapes how we, how the gospel shapes us and, and to forgiving people. And, and so I think it, it's later on in the book, he writes, um, and this is probably my most favorite quote. Um, there's lots of people I'd like to share it with, but it would not go over well. <laughs> um, forgiveness is a promise not to keep bringing the matter up to the person, to others, and even to ourselves. Even to ourselves. Selves. Yeah. You know, and that, that to genuinely forgive means the issue has been laid to rest. And um, that's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. A very, very difficult thing. But I, I, so that was uh, one quote. And then I, I have to come up with one of those because JB had three. And- oh, dude. <laughs> well, and, and if I can jump in a second, Darwin, it's that inwardly pain, he calls it. Uh, the parts of internal forgiveness, he yeah. identified three things, Ident- identifying with the wrongdoer, right. inwardly paying the debt. And that's what I hear you, you know, like yeah. it's that yeah. part of going, that refusal to keep bringing it back, um, just even in ourselves, is the we're carrying right. that, we're, we're bearing some of that load. I mean, yeah. Christ did it in the cross. Right. And I think he does a phenomenal job throughout the book of going, we got to keep looking back to the cross because it's not going to make sense otherwise. Right. Um, But that, yeah, inwardly paying the debt. Yeah. And it might not, it it might take, it might take time to get there, which I really appreciated. Oh, Um, and he uses a metaphor that is, I recall, he borrows and he talks mm -hmm. about forgiveness is a time payment. Yeah. 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 You may need to make several payments on this. That's over right. time, and I'm yeah, just thinking, that's oh, that's yep. my life. So, what, what the other passage that really struck me was on page 138, um, and, and and I'm old enough to to remember when this book, um, passages, was a bestseller. Oh <laughs> gosh, yes. Um, and it was on every um, coffee table in every home you visited. Um, but he he writes. Um, he, he says spells out this foundational belief about for, that we are our own highest authority. You find yourself only as you free yourself from all other institutional claims and from all other people's agendas and approvals. Relationships should be tentative and engaged only as long as they support your chosen identity and interest. We alone can validate ourselves or judge whether something is good or bad. No one else has the right to tell us who we are or judge us by their standards. Yeah. And and so when I think about that even in 
in broader culture, and I think about that in the church as I read that, um, the rapid rise in divorce makes sense. Yeah. And, and you see how there were seeds planted. Oh, yeah. Seeds of some of these things that are now bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I loved I loved the book. I loved what, what he was getting after here. I think he does a great job at describing the landscape. Yeah. Um, to to read and print something that you sense is always an interesting experience. And when you read and print, as he kind of describes, and I'm summarizing here and paraphrasing, that forgiveness is a morally offensible, offensive act. Is it's not fair? Is in our modern context? Yeah. Is is. I don't know what word to use. It's it, it just – it's disequilibrating. That's my yeah, word. Yeah, there we go. It rocks the boat. It that's, rocks the boat. That's Bill's word. <laughs> and then I start wondering how many of our people think that. Oh. How many people well, we, we think Well, we drink that? it in. We breathe it. And yeah. yet I think if the observation of our current cultural moment shows that to not have forgiveness isn't working. Yeah. No, no. You know what I mean? Like right. there's actually evidence that our current model that people are believing is like, well, that ain't working. We need yeah. to, we need yeah. something else. Yeah. Well, and again, I I Goodness. think that's in each of in all of us, right? right. Of this sure. this it's not. There's a level of forgiveness that isn't fair, right? From from a standpoint of because someone, I mean, the reality is someone harmed us, or we harmed them, and their whole right, and and we go, we want you to get yours because it was wrong. It was, you know, like it was painful. It was hurtful. It yeah. was, you know, and and I think again, it will, as we move forward in our own conversation, I think Tim does a great job of identifying to culturally, right. and we've talked about this actually yeah. in some of our other podcasts. Oh, yeah. right. um, whether it was his back in the first season of How to Reach the West Again, right. to Carl Truman's book, the. Um, What's, oh, the rise and uh, triumph of the modern self. Of the modern self, right? There's there's things that have contributed to our social, right? But there's also just this spiritual condition in us right. that goes, man. When I'm sinned against, it's not fair. When I've sinned right. against somebody else, it's not fair. It's not right. And right. we we have a just God, and that's part of the good news. Right. Um, however, how justice works and is displayed is a whole. But it, but it calls us to flip the script. Sure. In, in a sense of, of this, I, I think of Paul's words um, in a very short sentence. I wish I could quote it in Greek, but I can't. Um, <laughs> um, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Yes. Our inability to forgive is directly related to to the lack of appreciation we have for how much forgiveness we've received. Yeah. Right. You know, and so when you flip that script, so when I, when I, when I think about that, um, and I think like the, my own Christian kind of journey and over the years, um, the focus, there was always a focus on to say the spiritual disciplines we mentioned earlier, holiness, we could call whatever rule following we couldn't call, but there was never a focus on forgiveness. Mm. And that in our own spiritual journey, um, our spiritual journey is actually coming to grips with how deeply sin is embedded in us and how much forgiveness we've received. Yeah. And, and that really flips the script from much of what we hear in, in popular culture about Christianity and, and what it entails. Yeah. And one of the reasons, uh, one of the ways to deal with our own unforgiveness or struggling to forgive others is really to go back to, craw- to the cross and identify how much have I been forgiven right. of. Right. And often the, as I draw closer to see that honestly from God's eyes, that empowers me, I've found, to, to yeah. extend more forgiveness. It actually to m- means that I have to admit that I need forgiveness. Oh, God. <laughs> well, and it, it brings, again, kind of brings my back to me back to the critical, uh, biblical critical theory conversation yeah. a little bit of going, when we do that, and that's the first move, we're saying we're part of a different story. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 so it's locating ourselves in a different, larger story than even just our own particular momentary story. And mm-hmm. no matter how real and true and hard, I mean, because listen, like 
in my own life, um, as in all of ours, when somebody has harmed us that bad, where we're working on forgiveness for the rest of our lives with them, maybe, sure. mm-hmm. um, it's real stuff. Um, right. and so we're going to need something much bigger than that. Right. You know, um, I'll say if we talk transcendent, imminent, you know, like just this moment, we're going to need to identify a resource and something so much bigger. Yeah. Right. yeah something outside of us. Um, tell you what, guys, let me push us along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been an interesting discussion. One of the things I was anxious to do is step back and get a kind of bigger perspective. And if we take a broader view than just the particular cult, uh, quotes, was there a particular chapter that captured your attention, something that you could imagine giving to a friend for consideration of a particular issue or challenge in, in their own life, even as a resource? in a class, that sort of thing, kind of broader view. What chapter stood out to you? I'll just jump in because it's picking up on where we just were. Um, Chapter eight, our need for forgiveness, because it's so fundamental to, to this process of what it means to forgive another. It's, it's so important that we, we let it be a part of our own story. I love how he, just kind of in a in a couple sentences, kind of will reflect his a little historically on like Nietzsche and Freud <laughs> and Marx and how that's contributed to kind of our cultural um, push away from. Um, and then he, yeah, he comes up. There's a quote by um, McClay who I'm sorry I don't have his first name because I'm picking it up somewhere. Yeah, just <laughs> so, in the here. anyways, it's in the middle of 123. Um, he shows that secular society has not been able to shed guilt and shame, even though it has relativized the concept of moral truth. Secular people are in a strange position of feeling like sinners without having a name for it. Um, I'd say, you know, all of us are in that yeah. spot, but mm-hmm. that's, he's just saying, if you haven't, if you get rid of religion, um, now you don't have a name for it. Um, there's a pervasive need to find innocence through moral absolution and somehow discharge one's moral burden. Yet the fact is that the conventional means of finding that absolution or even of keeping the range of one's responsibility for one's sins within some kind of reasonable boundaries are no longer generally available. Like, so now we no longer have the resource. Yeah. You've got the burden and the feeling, the echo, but, but not the leverage, not the ability to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, and so that, that just, again, kind of understand connecting some of where are we culturally, some of those tie-ins of that chapter, but also then leading us into the story of going, Hey, we've got this great resource, right? And that's good news. That's yeah. the gospel is yeah, being able to say, hope. we have the first story. If we go back to biblical critical theory that goes, mm-hmm. Hey, um, there's a resource and we want to invite you right. into that resource. Of, and, and maybe it's not evil, right? Maybe, maybe everything you've been looking for right. is really there and available. Um, so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So our own need. Uh, and it had the fig leaves yeah. piece again, well, you know, the inag- inadequacy of fig leaves. Because yeah. that context is going, because we're always looking for something to give us absolution. Yeah. But when we don't look to the very moment of history, the cross of Jesus Christ, right? We're always going to be looking for another fig leaf. Yeah. Um, right. And a newer one, a bigger one, a yeah. fresher one, or something, but they all come out yeah. to be inadequate. Yeah. Well, and I, th- and I think that kind of because the cross gives us the the fullness of what forgiveness is. Yeah. Right? What it, what it costs. And, and I think covers. chapter two is helpful, kind of building off that indru- introduction, like where where forgiveness has become, you know, full pot. Like you don't you don't do that because it's not right. And actually, chapter two is helpful because it kind of points out. Because people's understanding or what we think is forgiveness is not actually the full um, what the cross captures. You know, yeah. it's not this let people off the hook, and because that's the, that's and that right. impulse is actually helpful. Like it's like, well, we can't just offer forgiveness and then let people who are perpetrators get away with with doing all kinds of evil. Um, that's 
that's a good impulse because that's not justice, right? You know, so we can right. affirm that. But the but the but then he kind of outlines that true forgiveness, and he kind he just does a beautiful job like outlining those those kind of counterfeit kind of forms of, of forgiveness. Um, yeah, yeah. What was that yeah. chapter two? Yeah. You're pointing yeah. to to non conditionally pressure to non conditionally forgive. Just yeah, you know, no. Uh, it, pressure it didn't to trans, pran, tr- uh, pressure to transactionally forgive, yeah, or pressure to not forgive at all. Kind of giving these three. That's not what we mean by forgiveness. Yeah, um, and and when culture rejects those forms of forgiveness, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we, right. We, we maybe reject, we should maybe we, we should join in too, you know? <laughs> and go, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but the challenge is that culture is not rejecting those forms of forgiveness. They're changing the the field. For yeah. that, and and so suddenly it's you know, um, we say to our African American neighbors and and friends, family, you can't forgive because that's unjust. That's the wrong kind of forgiveness. That only right. makes it worse. Right. Uh, he he addresses that in challenging yeah. ways. Sure. I was a big fan of Chapter Seven, um, okay. the basics of forgiveness. I, um, <laughs> Something about basics, isn't it? <laughs> basics, you know. Um, you know, when he, when he draws on the Sermon on the Mount, he writes, um, Therefore, to be forgiven and not forgiving, to have obtained mercy and not be merciful, is in reality to have failed to experience God's gracious acceptance and make a mockery out of prayer as understood in verses 22 through 24. But then he goes on to write, and I think a couple of things, makes two observations about um, from this, um, is that first there's the responsibility both to confront and to forgive are equally laid on us to confront and to forgive, and and though I don't, I would probably have chosen a different word than confront. Yeah, um, I I think there's a process in the forgiveness where we have to, if we've been offended, we have to help. We have to figure out how to un- We have to how to put this. Um, <laughs> come to understand what was motivating the other person. I think it's just not a rash end to confront you've offended me, but could you help me understand why you made this decision or, or why you acted in this way? Yeah, um, part of I, forgiveness is is coming to grips with that. Coming to grips with that. With and them. the fact that, that if if I've been offended, um, I may have misinterpreted something as well, interpreted the action of another person. Yeah. And so before I jump to confrontation, I have to make sure I understand some of the motivation and what was going on behind it. Um, it's a very different thing to say, hmm, okay, now I get what you're trying to do. I think if you would have approached it this way, you might have been heard more effectively than, than that way. Yeah. That, that's a, that, so that, that confrontation part is how do we understand that? And, um, and I would say, um, you know, even in, in my role, that's been a huge growth area for me. Okay, is is to step back and to say, can you help me understand why you're making the decisions that you're making, or why you're pursuing this in this way? Um, and then I think out of that again, then it's easier. I shouldn't say easier. Um, the ability to forgive seems to flow more naturally. Then the second thing he goes on, which I think is really important, and again, the quest of our people today, the ultimate purpose of forgiveness is the restoration of community. Yeah, right. Is that, is that we can we can we can live together in harmony, and um, that that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Um, especially as you know, even reading um, this morning on um, the Anglican Church coming apart, um, that our call is is to live together in unity, and that requires forgiveness, but it also requires that. As you cited Macaulay, that kind of moral that that framework. What are we What are we functioning within? Yeah. What yeah. Are, What is our unity around? Yeah. And and what have we contributed to the breakdown in that unity? Uh, your wound, your sinning against me, has you know worked against that. But but we're all working together to see the gospel bring us together. But I think what happens is that we confuse with unity. We, oh. I don't want. I don't want to go down a squirrel, a rabbit trail here, but we probably could. Um, <laughs> but unity is an in, is not an end. It's the fruit. It's a fruit of, of something else. This. Yeah, and right. Part of what is That's actually huge. happening, at least within the Protestant tradition right now, is unity is being seen as an end and not as a fruit. Right. And you you end up being united about things that don't matter. Right. And not 
united on things that do. Okay, so I'm shooting that rabbit so we don't okay. go any farther down yeah, the right. Okay. <laughs> well, <I'll, laughs> my apologies to all the animal rights activists. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we'll forgive you, Darwin. Um, a favorite chapter for me was chapter six, Justice and Love, Honor and Abuse. And here he really digs into this thing. Is it just to forgive? Does real forgiveness uh, get in the way of real justice? And I was particularly taken by his willingness to quote extensively from Rachel Den Hollander's story. That's close to us here in Michigan because it mm-hmm. involves Larry Nasser and MSU and the the horrific sexual abuse of gymnasts that went on. And uh, Rachel herself, and Tim just picks up on on this, helps resolve this. Can I pursue justice, restoration of the community? Mm-hmm. And I can I. How does forgiveness relate to this? And both Tim and and Rachel just really help me see that that forgiveness is what puts to rest my desire for revenge that always skews the calculation. Right. I I say justice, but I've noticed this. Many times people are shouting justice, but the nonverbals I'm picking up are revenge. Mm -hmm. And that's because of our own hurt and is understandable. Uh, Forgiveness becomes what uh, makes it possible to pursue real justice. I'll just – he also quotes Henri Nouwen here. By not forgiving, I chain myself to a desire to get even thereby losing my freedom, a forgiven person forgives. And Tim and Rachel and these kind of folks help show how this is really the the pathway to a justice, that it's first recognizing that justice is God's and we're doing our best to imitate it. But the first way you begin to imitate and live out the justice of God in a world that's marked by real brokenness and real hurt, real evil— is to begin with down the pathway of forgiveness. So that that was a yeah. favorite chapter for me. And I think there's something in that of when when I'm just listening to you talk there in this chapter of justice both says so yeah it there's a clear Id- identification of wrong. There is a something not only in the cross but there is room for that justice to find its place like yeah. again this is one of those those moments where it's like there and and for folks listening, there have been some things that are absolutely and abundantly wrong that some justice here on this side of heaven is is deserved. Yeah. Right. Uh, of yep. whether it's jail, whether imprisonment, yeah. whether that you know, like. Um, however, justice seeks also restor right within justice. True biblical justice is restoration. Reconciliation. She had a beautiful um, quote. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt, so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me. Though I extend that to you as well. I, I was like, I'm in tears, you know, as I'm reading yeah. it because that it brings that whole like you need to feel it and experience it. And there's some people. People who need to hear that, like yeah. of going, I'm not letting somebody off the hook, JB, you know, and I still want the, the win, the, the best for you. Like, and he'll talk about that as that third in the steps of that. We're still as forgiven people. We're, we're people who still work towards po- the potential and the possibility. We still work for the restored kingdom. Right. Yeah. Um, and renewal. Yeah, reconciliation is a key word. Yeah. Watkins in biblical critical theory um, talks a lot about how um, our idea of justice is really shaped by our eschatology. Yeah. Our doctrine yeah, of last end, things. How things end. That how things end in the sense that that what we have experienced in, in this life is kind of a, a foretaste of what justice might look like. And so because justice will ultimately be um, experienced in in the new heaven and the new earth, um, it gives us hope now. Even when when we don't think justice is being served well here, um, we still have hope that justice will ultimately be served in, in the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think it's where um, 
apart from the gospel, um, all you can be concerned about is justice here and now. Since since there is no ultimate thing, no ultimate reality beyond this, where that's going to those issues are going to be resolved, it means that I have to um, the justice has to be attained in now, and and justice is so weighty it should be attained in any way possible. Yeah. Yeah, and and you you find yourself waking up and say, "Wait a minute, I'm pursuing justice through injustice." And it's just the the challenge of pursuing this in in, in our own limited world yeah. and stuff. Yeah. The challenge is there. But how important it is to pursue. Um we want to wind down and and much of this has been kind of personal reflection because it calls us not only to think about forgiveness, but to also think about our lives, mm-hmm. forgiven and forgiving, uh, both sides of that. And so we uh, talked in preparation about just what's a personal story from your life, your own journey, an experience where forgiveness had a particular impact or was uniquely formative. Any any of you feel free to appropriately share just how forgiveness has played out in a way? Yeah, I mean, I keep jumping in partly because everything somebody says right before yeah. ties ties right in. Yeah. So we're trying. I, I mean, it, thinking about the new kingdom and uh, when my grandfather died, um, just that's he's been a, a person for my whole, almost my whole life. Where I've, forgiveness has been a work in me and on me as much as trying to work it out um, with him through him. Um, glad I had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit before he died. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, um, you know, he was, he was who he was. Um, but, uh, going to his funeral, um, was interesting cause my, my, my dad had removed our family's name from our, from his obituary. I mean, so if that begins to tell you some of the hurt, um, that is experienced of, of being able to say, you know, that's, that's really my dad's story to tell. Um, but you know, if in, you know, I can understand, I can respect that. Um, we had a long conversation. I, I felt like I needed to go um, to the funeral. Uh, my younger sister went with me. And uh, one of the things, and, and really I think it was something that was a, a move of the Holy Spirit, um, definitely. I think in this journey, there's been a lot of those. Sure. Um, I've needed resources bigger than me. Um, but was when I could come to the point where I said, hey, you know, Rach, I, I really... I'm looking forward to the day where, by God's grace, I can see him again and we can have the relationship we didn't get to have here on earth. And I didn't know, maybe connect all those dots until I was reading here to go, maybe I was finally stepping into the light a little bit more of, you know, when he talks about kind of the the last part of the internal forgiveness is the willing the good for the wrongdoer. Yeah. To see that I was finally able to, hope that I could see my, my grandfather in the new kingdom instead of burning in hell. Cause there were plenty of times that I wished he was burning sure. in hell. Sure. Um, just due to the hurt and the pain. Um, and it's not done. It's amazing how somebody can be gone and you're still working on forgiveness. But man, if, if it didn't have the story of seeing myself and my desperate need for Jesus, um, you know, and, and making sure that's the first story I tell. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's off the hook. Didn't mean everything that happened didn't happen. You know, it all happened. Um, but being able to identify with him um, as a as a person in need of grace, um, being able to learn more about his story. Um, yeah. And then being able to say, you know, how do I, how do I think about him? Am I going to stop holding, holding on to um those things, you know, am I trying to make him pay my, <laughs> and that was part of being able to have the blessing and talking to him at least before yeah. he had died to be yeah. able to, um, so yeah, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of helpful when all of a sudden, yeah, you read a book like this and then all of a sudden you, you, it's like, oh, okay. Something that had already happened, but now I have a little bit of helpful words and some framework yeah, to give go, some substance oh. to it, even take another step. I mean, this is the interesting thing about the journey. Right. And the encouragement then keep living in that, keep living in hopefully a day where, um, because of God's grace, I'll be able to have a relationship with him that I, I just didn't get to have 
here on earth. So, yeah. Uh, anybody else, or I'll jump in. I know. Um, for me, seminary, we had a lot of these conversations um, about forgiveness in our past and examining that. And so, I think it raised, and then reading this, like realizing where I stepped into forgiveness. So a lot of it took place, you know, seminary, between college and seminary, where I met Yvonne, I spent two years in youth ministry in Southern California. So in seminary, I was reflecting on those experiences in that first ministry context. Um, And so like had to like work through internally and then reflecting here, like um, where some of those, you know, I could say I forgive them, but now I'm like removed from the context where I don't have to see them the people I needed to forgive. And so I was like, oh yeah, I forgive them. Um, but in a way, like I'm, I'm, I'm able to kind of just ignore them and forget about them. And so I was like, was that, was that, did I really forgive them? Yeah. Like how would I respond if I actually bumped into them on a trip back or something? Um, and then the other experience was, I was just, I was, I was in a situation in my internship and something triggered this emotion that was disproportionate. Um, like it, it, that's an interesting flag yeah. to observe, isn't and, it? And my mentor at the time was like, "Oh, you know, it's like it seemed, you know, this is your reflection, but it seems like your response here is disproportionate to your level of connection to the people involved in this." Yeah. And it kind of like raised a flag, like, "Oh, I might have some unforgiveness with a previous thing." So it led me to call a pastor <laughs> uh, at a church and say, "I have no idea." Uh, the situation and how this happened and unfolded. But I, and so I don't even know if you did anything wrong, but I need to let this go. So it led to this like really awkward conversation, but he was gracious and was like, okay. (laughs) Um, And it allowed, it allowed in that context to be able to go back to that church and worship and, and be set free from that. So a couple of just, yeah, instances um, from seminary, um, which was helpful. I like your word awkward. It gets hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like it because most yeah. of the conversations around forgiveness and in being engaged with people are are just awkward, and particularly in this day and age, particularly towards the front end, getting towards the started. front end, getting yeah. started. But you know, as I've reflected, you know, early on in ministry, I had a lot of disproportional. I like that word, um, disproportional responses to situations, mm-hmm. and um, and and. Worked with people who made me, um, who requested of me, they didn't make me, requested of me to go back and clean up the messes that I'd made. Mm. Um, And and my tendency early on and probably still is today is to make a mess and then let someone else clean it up. (laughs) Um, But that process of having to go back to people and saying, you know, my response probably wasn't appropriate here. I'm asking forgiveness. Um. It really began to, I don't know, take root, um, shallow root for a very long time um, of just learning to pause and, and to slow down and to to think about um, not only how am I going to respond, but why are other people responding to me? And I, and I think sure. in, in dealing with forgiveness for me and interacting with other people um, has been coming to grips with First off, um, what have I done to contribute to the situation? Mm. Yeah. So rather than laying the blame somewhere else and say, okay, you know, maybe I didn't set the stage right. Maybe I don't know, whatever. But what did I do to contribute to the situation? But the second thing is what when throughout the process, um, what can I learn from the situation? Yeah. So, so yeah. ultimately we want forgiveness, but ultimately, you know, um, I've had to learn about how, how do I contribute um, I've had to learn that my responses um, to other people um, sometimes actually fuel, yeah. fuel yeah. things, um, and so that that forgiveness is a real learning process. Um, but in my own journey, um, probably the the biggest challenge has been coming to grips with how much um, Christ has forgiven me. And in going into conversations with people, um, I also have to say that the first thing I have to to remind myself is like Christ has forgiven me of crap that I don't even know about. Yeah, right. right. And and therefore, 
<clears throat> I can go into this conversation um, with humility, um, a willingness to learn that I don't have to come out on top. Um, but in the end, the the ultimate goal is the restoration of the relationship. And I realize that that restoration will take time. Yeah. It's not like, okay, we had the conversation now. All's forgiven. Let's yeah. go back to where we were, buddy. It's all, <laughs> it's all just the right thing. Yeah. You know, it, it takes time um, to rebuild and to, to build trust and to build confidence and things. So yeah. kind of broad. Um, I probably could give some details of particular incidences, but I'll spare people the public recognition. Uh, yeah, but that go. humility. I mean, that's just every everything you just said is that yeah. it's the journey of forgiveness is a humbling one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, humility yeah. is a virtue that our culture doesn't value. Right. 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 When we say it, we value it, but ultimately we don't value it. Yeah. yeah. In a performative In a culture way. where it's all about me and me expressing myself, humility doesn't work. You know, when we when we first broached the idea of kind of asking this question of ourselves, the thing that leaped to my mind was an experience from my own life in ministry in 1986. I was – this was – I'll give you some context. That This was my first solo pastor. God had blessed in a just dramatic, wonderful way. And in the course of our time in this church, we decided to – take a process and reaffiliate with a different denomination. And that was long and involved, but we were for the right and all these kind of things. Um, and when it came time to do it, uh, 90% voted in positive, positive to do it and to move. So we did that. It was secured on a Sunday afternoon. And then on Monday, the regional body in this denomination brought disciplinary charges against me and a whole church discipline court legal thing started. And because that started, it put my ordination in limbo and that had all kind of legal civic implications. I was no longer eligible for the health care. Um, suddenly my whole retirement, which was not this, that much at that point, but <laughs> you know, it was something. That was gone. It affected my tax status. Just all these different things seemed to change in a moment. And there was a woman, people in celebration have heard me talk about Miss Putsy, and a very elderly, genteel Southern woman just really eaten with um, arthritis, worshipped in a wheelchair, but a heart for God. And she and her husband prayed for my ministry in that season about two hours a night. Um, I, I'm a different man because of them, and I've burned into my memory by the grace of Jesus is this woman looking at me and say, Pastor Bill, don't worry about your calling because that comes from God. Men can approve that. They can recognize it, but they don't give it. Don't worry about your calling. What you need to worry about is your heart and forgiveness. If you can't forgive these men. That's where the risk is. You'll think that you're better than they are, she said, and you're not. You're just as capable of the sin that you see in them. Um, you've got to receive the forgiveness of God to give to others. And boy, from then on, the challenge was, as we navigated this, was could Bill pray for these people who were doing this? Because it was, it was real stuff. It messed up a surgery that I, mm-hmm. I needed to get. And and yet, in the midst of that, I came away with this lesson that right. forgiveness sets free and, and manages this. And I hadn't thought about it in a while till we asked this question. But then again, it was, okay, did I forgive them? I need to make sure that this isn't popping yeah. up and driving me. Because the, the, it's so easy to be self-justified. Oh, what they did was wrong. Right. right. But how will you respond? And boy, Miss Putsy, she just explained the gospel to me. <laughs> <laughs> Live forgiving. Well, it's just, I mean, that brought to mind that pathway to freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, and you shared it earlier, being forgiven people who forgive. Yeah. And that's our story. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Big sinners right. with a big God who's rescued us. Yeah. Well, we could definitely keep talking forgiveness is because it's at the heart of the gospel. I mean, it's something yeah. that we could continue 
hope that uh, certainly was a blessing for for you who are listening um, as you process forgiveness. Um, I think our encouragement would be keep running to Jesus in that journey. Um, Keep running to the one who came to bring God's forgiveness into the world and to let that forgiveness be the thing that brings new life. Um, Bill, thanks for uh, leading our conversation. Again, our book is Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I Mm -hmm. by uh, Tim Keller. Do we want to dive back in season one? We got to, we, we, we touched on a little of Keller um, and how to, how to reach the West again. We, there were a couple podcasts on that. Um, mentioned our podcast on biblical critical theory, which was a yeah. couple months back. Right. Humilitas last week. Right. I think yeah. all of these things kind of feed into this it's, conversation on forgiveness. It's the gospel. Yeah. Um, but for another season, gentlemen, thanks for joining around the table. Yeah, yep. it's been fun. We're, yeah, it's amazing how, like, again, we're like at 50 minutes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, so, right. so, we'll, so we'll let people walk into their workplace because they were so enamored with our conversation <laughs> right, right, that right, they right, just right. had to finish yeah. it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, taking, I, I believe it'll be a, a month or so. We'll be back in September uh, right. with, with a new season. Um we're going to be, I think, approaching things just a slightly different. So, so come back. Yeah. Uh, we're 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 going to dive in, have some fun. Um, we're going to be stepping. Maybe I will. I got to leave a little bit on the bone for you know to keep coming back. But we're we're not just going to be fresh. dealing with books every. I know we've yeah. occasionally had different conversations, but we'll be uh, looking at some different types of media. Um, mm-hmm to kind of expand our conversation so so y'all can join us in that. But thanks for uh, spending two seasons with us so far. Uh, we look forward to, to jumping back in with you. If in the meantime, you're looking for another uh, once a month podcast, we do at Heart of Ike have Heart of Ike Stories, a brand yeah. new brand new podcast where we're just getting to spend a little time hearing people's journey and letting their journey hopefully mm-hmm. be encouraging and life-giving to ours. So that's Heart of Ike Stories. You can find that on your podcasting platforms or over again at heartofike.com. And uh, you can email us if you have any questions. That's something new here at the end mm-hmm. of this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fear and trembling at Harderwike. And a lot of people don't know how to spell that. Yep. Think harder, H-A-R-D-E-R-W-Y-K. So harderwike.com. Fear and trembling at hardawake.com. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, maybe in the future we might engage you a little bit more in that way. So, <laughs> anyways, um, as always, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. And I'm Darwin. And uh, it's been our blessing to, to serve you and welcome you into just our life together. And hopefully, it's an encouragement to yours. God bless.